We'll turn to God's Word. If you have your Bible, 2 Samuel, 2 Samuel chapter 12, 2 Samuel chapter 12. Amen. Let's pray as we turn there this morning. Father, we just thank you for your presence in our midst. Lord, for what our ears have heard, for what you're doing, Lord, for the testimonies. Lord, we're so thankful that you hear and you do answer prayer. You're real. You're alive. You're a God that hears. And, oh God, this morning we pray that you would anoint us both to preach and to hear your word, that your name would be exalted all across this land today where these precious pages are opened and your truth is proclaimed. Lord, we pray for a breath of God, Lord, to blow upon the pages. And Lord, awaken your people, save souls, Lord. Open the eyes of the blind and stop the deaf and ears. Make dead men live. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We're going to read uh, from uh, verse 26, but just before we begin uh, the reading, I just want to put the story here uh, into the context of what has happened. This is, uh, this, our reading is going to be just after a very dark period in the reign of King David. It was a very dark time, um, and David had committed awful sin. And we do know that this was a man that was after the heart of God and he failed God and he sinned and sin brings defeat. Sin brings defeat, but Christ is the answer to that defeat. And David is confronted by Nathan the prophet. And Nathan the prophet, when we read the scriptures, is sent by God and he's sent for this one purpose is because God is merciful. That's why Nathan was sent. Yes, he would expose David's sin, but God is not in the business of hanging us out to dry. Jesus hung on the cross for our sin, and it is through his blood, of his own precious blood, that our sins are covered. But in this, we see that David had hid his sin. And if you cover your sin, you'll not prosper. If you cover sin, you will not prosper. And God sent Nathan the prophet on a mercy mission to expose David's sin to David, but that David would be restored to the God that he loved because God is merciful. Would you say amen if you know God's full of mercy? And so in verse 13 of you, just go back a little bit before we come to our reading. We see when David is confronted, David said unto Nathan, he acknowledges that he sinned against the Lord. And Nathan said unto David, when there's true repentance, when there's an acknowledgement of sin, Nathan brings the words from the Lord. The Lord also hath put away thy sin, that thou shalt not die. Isn't the Lord good? God has put away your sin by the blood of Jesus Christ. Our sins are forgiven and we're covered this morning. This outward man will die one day, but praise the Lord, there's an inner man that will live forever with Jesus. And so we see in verse 14 there in the reading what had happened and the results of David's sin. And this is important. He said, How be it because by this deed... Thou hast given great occasion to the enemies of the Lord to blaspheme. 
So through David's sin and covering his sin, we see then that the enemy had occasion to blaspheme the children of God, to make mockery of God's people. Now, I want to say this morning that in the world that we live in, you can freely blaspheme and mock the church of the living God. You can blaspheme the name of Jesus. You can't do it with with Muhammad. You can't do it with any other religion, but it's like free sport for the church of Jesus Christ and the name of the Lord. And it's because at this time we see an apost, a a departing from the faith. Uh, We see that great apostasy that has come and we see so much derision in the body of Christ, sin and defeat, division. And we see now that the, it seems to be that the enemy is taking this occasion to mock the church of Jesus Christ. The TV does it. The, all the celebrities do it. The world do it. The politicians do it. They're mocking the things of God. And so we see that in true repentance, and when there is a power in repentance, because that's in the place where there's great restoration. God's purpose is to restore. And we see the cry of David in Psalm 51. We'll not read the whole psalm, but he cries out at that time, Lord, have mercy upon me according to thy loving kindness, according to the multitude of your tender mercies. Blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from mine iniquity. Cleanse me from my sin. And he goes right down. We know the verse well. He says, create in me a clean heart. O God, renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from thy presence. Take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation and uphold me with thy free spirit. We see there's a great transition in which we're living just very like this time in the kingdom of David and the kingdom of Israel. We see that there is much, it seems, darkness and it's, given occasion for the enemy to blaspheme, to mock the church of Jesus Christ. There'll always be mockery. They'll always hate the church of Jesus Christ. But it seems to have come to a point in our time where the mockery and the blasphemy against the church of Jesus Christ and against him, our Lord, has gone to a level that it it turns your stomach. It grieves your spirit. Isn't that right? You're, 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 you're grieved because of what is happening. So David repents, true repentance. Repentance in the church is, is something that's so necessary. The seven churches of Revelation, five churches were instructed to repent. And Jesus said on every occasion, when there's true repentance, I'll come, I'll restore, I'll revive, I'll renew. That's his heart, is when there's genuine repentance amongst the people of God. And so David genuinely repented, received forgiveness of his sin. And then in 2 Samuel chapter 12 and verse 26, this is just this account then, just after this period of time that lasted not just a couple of weeks, this was a long period of time in the kingdom that David was king. It says, And Joab fought against Rabbah of the children of Ammon and took the royal city. That's the children of Ammon's royal city. And Joab sent messengers to David and said, I have fought against Rabbah and have taken the city of the waters. 
Now therefore gather the rest of the people together and encamp against the city and take it, lest I take the city and it be called after my name. Now this is what I want to point out in this story is, here is Joab is going out. David we know is a type of the Lord and the royal city is Jerusalem. This royal city was the royal city of Ammon. And Joab goes out to fight And as he fights, he's about to claim the victory for the kingdom. And just on the on the verge of that victory, he sends the word back to David. And he says, David, I want you to come quick. And the reason why I want you to come is because when this victory comes, when this victory takes place, I don't want my name on this. I want your name on it. And what he's saying is this for us this morning. That as we wait and we pray and we believe for those victories that we have heard even the answers to those this morning. We don't want our name on this victory. What we want is the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. In every victory, let it be said of me, you are the source of this victory. And this victory is for your glory. We'll not put our name on this victory. We want you to be crowned with many crowns the lamb upon the throne. And so he calls for David, and David gathers, verse 29, all the people together, went to Rabbah and fought against it, and he took it, and he took their king's crown from off his head. And the weight thereof was a talent of gold with the precious stones, and it was set upon David's head, and he brought forth the spoil of the city in great abundance, in great abundance. He took the crown. He spoiled the enemy's camp. He took the crown of that king and he waited for his king to come. When his king came, when David came, he put the crown, the spoil of that warfare, on the head of David. Brothers and sisters, I know that this morning that there's so many of us are believing God for great victories to break through in our lives. There are things in our homes. There are marriages that need to be restored. There are loved ones that are outside of Christ. There are work situations. There are financial difficulties. There are those that need a touch in their body this morning. They need healing in their body, in their minds, in their emotions. We are believing God. We're looking for that victory. But brothers and sisters, That victory this morning, can I assure you, that victory is in Jesus. And as we come this morning together to believe for this victory, we want, this is our desire, this is what our heart is, this is what our prayer is. When we're believing God for God to move in the town of Balnehens, when we're praying for our nation, when we're praying for a breath of God upon our land again, our cry is, God, We want to take the crown of this victory and we want to put that crown on that head, that precious head of the Lord Jesus Christ. We want to crown you with the victories, every victory that you give us. We don't want the victory for ourselves. You will let us enjoy the spoil of the victory, the sweetness of that victory, the joy of that victory that Christ gives. But we want to take the crown of that spoil, place it upon the head of Jesus and say we'll crown you with many crowns the lamb upon the throne it's our cry in the victory that we give him the glory Joab is saying I will not take 
this bit of ground. I'll not take this city. I'll not move forward one more step unless my king comes. And when you come, I'll take the crown of that enemy and I'll put it on the head of my king. And so in this this morning, we are looking for those victories. How many are believing for a breakthrough in a circumstance, in a life, in a family? We, we're in these battles together. We know that he gives us the victory in our lives through the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm talking about specific things that we face, specific things that we're praying about, specific things that we're longing for a breakthrough. When we pray and bring the request before the Lord this morning, we're saying, God, Lord, we want to see the enemy's camp spoiled. We want to see the power of darkness broken. We want to see the land spirit put to flight by the truth of your word. We want to see the gospel of Jesus Christ preached in the power and the unction that the Holy Spirit gives. But we want to take the crown of that enemy's camp and place it upon the crown of Jesus and say, All heal the Lamb! It's him who is worthy this morning. It is Christ alone that receives all the glory and all the honor. We're looking and we're longing for a move of God. When we pray, we pray right. And it is true when we say where the twos or threes are gathered in his name. He said, I will be in the midst to pray that his presence is not among us. is to pray against the will of God and the word of God. But when we talk about a manifestation of His presence, a move of the Spirit of God, we're longing for God to break through. Do you understand what I'm saying? We're longing for a manifestation. In the Old Testament, when the glory of God came down, you read about it in 2 Chronicles chapter 5, 2 Chronicles chapter 7, it says that when the glory filled the house, when the power of God, when the glory so filled the house of God, it says that the priests could not stand. When men are stricken by the sense and the presence and the reality of a living God, it says in chapter 7 that when the house was so filled with the glory of God that the priests, they could not even enter because the house was so filled with the manifestation of the glory of God. There's something when we read that in our hearts, we go, God, Lord, we're longing again for a manifestation of your mighty power, of your almighty presence, that men are stricken, that sinners are stricken, that people are stopped in their path, that it's not just that the seed has fallen, truth has fallen in the streets, but it falls in hearts and men and women and young people and boys and girls are stricken with the sense of Almighty God that the house is filled with the glory and the presence of Jesus. And so we see this in the old and some would say, well, that's the old, but brothers and sisters, it's in the new as well. The Bible tells us on the day of Pentecost that the whole house was filled. You know, Pentecost and the upper room is the original. Every revival that has ever happened is to bring us back to what the original is. And that is that the whole house is filled. And everybody in the house is filled. That is a revival, as Brad Sherwood is like none other. 
On Wednesday night when God moved by his power in the presence of God. What I'm talking about this morning is as we look and long for a breakthrough in these situations and these circumstances we're looking for. The, if you understand this, the weight of his presence, the weightiness of the presence of God. There's a weight that comes down. It's not just a feeling. There is a spiritual awakening and a sense God is in this place. There's a weightiness of His presence. There's a heaviness that comes. Brothers and sisters, we experience the presence of God every time we meet. But I thank God for that and say, Lord, we want more. There's a sense of the intensity of the presence of God when sinners don't sit comfortable in the house of God. They're not comfortable in the house of God. We're people that are living a backslidden carnal life. Brothers and sisters, it's not right. It's not right that we can sail on through life, live a backslidden and different life. And I'm, I'm not on the social media stuff. But friends, let me tell you something this morning. We need the weight of the presence of God because people wouldn't post what they post. If God was moving like he should move, and people post pictures of themselves going out to party and drink it up, let me tell you, friends, this morning, I'm saved from the devil's vomit. And the royal hospital's filled with people's livers that are wrecked this morning because of drink. And friends, this morning, they might say, well, not everyone that drinks is an alcoholic. But if you cause one little child of God to stumble, is it worth it? Because you want to have a social status? And so people post all manners of things, say all manners of things. Friends, let me tell you this morning, it's time that we waken up to where we are. We long for something deeper that brings conviction. A deep weight, a conviction. Isaiah said this. He said when he seen and experienced the glory that he became undone. That's what Isaiah said. God's presence was so real, he was undone. In other words, he was struck by the power of God. That's what God does. We're struck by the power of God. When men, John said, I fell as dead man, a dead man. In other words, he was so captivated with the presence of Jesus Christ. He fell as a dead man. The mockery that there is today, the lightness that there is today, that people can post pictures of themselves with hardly any clothes on and think this is godly. Brothers and sisters, is it not time to grow up? There's a spoil that we need in the enemy's camp. There's a day that we need to rise up out of the death and out of the backsliddenness and out of the carnality and say we've had enough. We must stand for what is right. Where great victories are manifested like Jehoshaphat's army. It took them three days to gather in the spoil. Three days. Where giants are defeated by the power of a living Christ. The Bible says that the weapons of our warfare, they're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. We need the manifestation of the glory and the presence of Jesus. In the New Testament, it's something like this. In Matthew 15 and verse 29, Jesus departed from thence, came nigh 
unto the sea of Galilee, went up into a mountain, sat down there. Great multitudes came unto him, having with them those that were lame, blind, dumb, maimed, and many others, cast them down at the feet of Jesus. And praise God, he healed them all. That's the New Testament equivalent. The manifestation. And so much the multitude wondered when they saw the dumb speak, the maimed to behold, the lame to walk, the blind to see. And they glorified. They weren't blaspheming. They glorified the God of Israel. Where we lift the crowns of the warfare and the victories that he gives us. And we crown him with many crowns. A depth that we so desperately need. Whatever is going to happen, we need a deep sense of the mighty presence, the abiding presence, the manifest presence of Jesus Christ and His bride. This is a spiritual house. This is the habitation of God. And in this house and in our homes, we need God to move. Would you say amen? Amen. The glory, the anointing, the filling, the unction, the power from on high. All are one and the same. And Bible scholars may disagree. But really it's just a cry this morning. That it is not by might nor by power. But by my spirit, saith the Lord. It's an outpouring of the spirit of God. The Holy Ghost manifesting The glory of God is a manifestation of the person of Jesus Christ. That's it. When we talk about the glory, do you know what we're talking about? We're talking about a person and his name is Jesus. Hebrews chapter 1 says, God, who in sundry times and diverse manners speak and time passed on to the fathers by the prophets, hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, whom he's appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person, upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. John says, John 1 of 14, and the word was made flesh, dwelt among us. We beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace. And full of truth. We need a weight. A weight. A weightiness. An intensity. Of his presence. The Bible says in his presence. There's fullness of joy. Not his right hand. There are pleasures forevermore. He's enough. That's what that means. His presence is enough. We need the weightiness today. And a manifestation of his glory. Because the vacuum And there is one. The vacuum is being filled and replaced by a counterfeit manifestation in these days. Not necessarily popular, but I'll be quite honest, I don't really have anything to lose. There's a death, and there's a stink, and there's a void. In 2 Chronicles chapter 12, the king of Egypt, Shishak, He took the treasures out of the house of the Lord. He carried them away. And the shields of gold that Solomon had made, Rehoboam, when they were taken, and the gold and the shields represent the faith of God in the house of God. Well, when they were taken, 
He made shields of brass instead. It looks like it. It looks like faith. It looks like gold. It looks like the real thing. It looks like it. It even sounds like it. But everyone in that kingdom knew, and the enemy knew, that was brass. You see, when we are led away, we are led away by a leader. Make no mistake about that. It is false teachers and it is false leaders in the church that are leading people astray with damnable heresies. And, you know, I I, I read an article. It was an article by David Wilkerson. He penned it in 1987. That's a long time ago. The article was concerning worship and what was about to come into the church and what he had experienced when he was invited to go along to a Christian concert. And he sat with the leader of the group or the band a few hours before that and the leader talked about being delivered from drugs and sexual activity and a leader had said to him, he was in rock and roll, had said to him, just use your rock and roll, use your talent and continue to use that in a Christian context to reach the lost. David Wilkerson, a man of God, a prophet of the Lord, sensed in that young man's heart that he would go along to the concert just with the right heart. He didn't want to be judgmental. In the midst of that, he sat, and his heart began to break as they began to so-called worship. And they began to dance and sing and They began to play their music and the whole crowd began to jump and shout and everything else. And then he seen in the spirit the manifestation of demons. Then he began to weep and cry out in the middle of that great congregation of thousands of young people. And he began to weep but nobody heard him. He began to shout but nobody heard him. He said he turned over chairs as he began to run out from the place and cry out to God for mercy. And then he began to share and prophesy. Now what is about to come into the church? Brothers and sisters, it's come. It's already come. You see, it was a leader that said to that young man, Use your rock and roll in a Christian context to win the lost. And that young man believed that leader. And because he believed that leader and was ill-advised, that young man led thousands astray. You see, when Moses came down the mountain, when Moses came down the mountain with Joshua, he found it was Aaron Aaron was the leader. He was a priest. It was Aaron that instructed the people, take off your earrings, take off your jewelry. There's been a bit of a delay here in the manifestation of God's presence. We don't really know what's happening, but we've got a good idea. If you take all your jewelry off, we'll make a golden calf and we can dance and sing around the golden calf and we can say, this is the God that saved us. This is the God that healed us. This is the God that delivered us. So it all sounds right, but it's idolatry. And so when Joshua comes down, he says, Moses, I hear the voice. He uses the word mastery. In other words, he's saying, Moses, I hear in the congregation there's a great victory. Moses says, that's not victory. 
He says, but I hear the voice of, of war in the camp. He says, that's not the voice of war in camp. Moses says, they're singing. And I've said it many times, and it might become something of a broken record, but I believe this this morning, brothers and sisters, what has come in under the guise of praise and worship today is counterfeit. Not all of it. It's not all of it, but a lot of it. Is there rejoicing in the Lord? You better believe it. Is there singing and rejoicing and dancing in the Spirit? You better believe it. If you know this morning, is there joy unspeakable and full of glory? Yes, there is. If you know this morning when the presence of God comes down, the people will rejoice, some will weep, some will dance, some will lift their hands, some will burst with joy in their hearts because of what the Lord's done. Yes, there is. Yes, there is. Don't think this morning then what we're looking for is everyone to have their arms tied to their side, nobody to move their head, nobody to express what God's done. He's done great things for us, whereof we are glad. We're glad this morning. Aren't we glad? Come on, are you glad this morning he saved you? Are you glad that the sin and the chains of sin are broken in your life? You've been raised out of the death, out of the dunghill, out of the marny clay. He brought me out of the marny clay. Hallelujah. We have something to shout about this morning and sing and rejoice. But it's spiritual. Hallelujah. It's spiritual. So this morning, we're not looking religion. We're not looking at tradition. We're not looking to try and create some type of form of godliness. We want the power of a living God this morning. You know, in that house, when they began to play that music, thank God for the anointing that there is upon our musicians. Thank God the anointing is upon our leaders this morning in worship. We experience such a wonderful sense of the presence of God in our midst this morning. There's a preparation and prayer we can't turn the anointing on. You know that, don't you? Just like a water top. Just because we have the gift doesn't mean the anointing's there. We pray. We believe God. We prepare in this house before anyone arrives because our hearts want to be right. But when that anointing comes, it breaks every yoke. It sets the captive free. And it's real this morning. Brothers and sisters, the anointing comes with time in the presence of God. With preparation. It comes with waiting before the Lord. It comes when we settle our hearts. When we seek Him. When we look for that victory in Him. Today, brothers and sisters, that vacuum has been well filled. You see, we're standing in the midst and in the need of a great breakthrough. We see the enemy has brought death and destruction. Do you know you can, you can actually, you can nearly smell it. You can nearly smell it. But I ask you this question just simply this morning. Is there a deep sense in your, now I want to discern, be able for you to discern this this morning. Is there a sense in, in your spirit, in your spirit, in, in, in your spirit, not the human spirit, but in the spirit of God in your life, is there a sense of grievance? Is there a grieving? 
I'm not talking about in your heart because your heart can be deceitful. People can feel I'm grieved in my heart, but then you become bitter and revengeful. So I'm not talking about that. I'm not talking about saying God call fire down them, wipe them all out. I'm saying God this morning, these are people that need saved. Our country needs healed. Our young people are going as fast as they can to hell. Church is being led in oh so many different ways with every damnable heresy that you can imagine. They don't believe in hell anymore. They don't believe in these things anymore. The fundamentals of the faith, it's just a foreign thing now. Most churches, a lot of churches, don't actually believe in an eternal hell. It's real. They don't believe that Jesus is God. They don't believe in the power of the Holy Spirit. They don't believe in the Trinity of God. Oh, but we've argued over this for years. I know, but the devil's subtle. And so is there something in our hearts as we look at what we're facing and what we see around us? Not revenge, not being spiteful, not wanting to get back. But as our, as our hearts are deceitful. But in the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, in the depths of our being, is there something that we would experience? God, we need you to come. We are grieved with what is happening to our land. We're grieved what our leaders are doing. Is anyone grieved? Is there a sense within us that we're going, God, our young people, are we grieved? Are we grieved? Are we grieved over our loved ones? Are we grieved that we're in the last days? Are we grieved that Christ could come at any moment? And if he comes this morning, brothers and sisters, there's a great separation. Does that move us? Are we too busy? Are we caught up in things? Friends, I believe there's a grieving. I could put it this way. There's a groan in our spirits. There's a groan. God, we, we can't necessarily just express it all in words. You understand what I'm saying? Why? Because it's the Holy Spirit. There's a groan within us that says, God, Lord, we know you're sovereign. You're in control. You're the only answer. You're the only hope for our nation. But God, do, do we groan for our loved ones? Do we groan for the state of our young ones? Do we groan? Is there a groan in our spirit? Is there a grieving in our spirit? Brothers and sisters, I believe there's a groan. Not just here, but I believe there's a groan all across this world of a remnant of people that are saying, God, you see, before there's the groan, before there's the glory, sorry, there's always the groan. There's always the groan. You know, the whole earth is groaning. They call it climate change. But the earth's groaning. They call it whatever they want to call it, but the earth's groaning. And the earth's groaning for one reason. It's groaning that Christ would come and lift the curse from this world that he created perfect. Then his glory will be revealed and all that we have gone through will not be able to be compared with the glory that's coming. There's a groan. You see the groan? There's a groan and then there's the glory. So many of us are looking and facing things that have left just a groan in us. You can't really, you know, you say, how you doing? And go, I'm, I'm all right. 
but you can't express the groan in your spirit. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? I'm a, I'm a, I know I'm just trying to share it. I can't even share it properly, but it's there. It's like a righteous indignation. It's a righteous indignation. That word indignation means at the injustice, at the injustice that we are seeing. If you turn, we're going to finish in a minute, but if you turn to John chapter 11. Before the glory, there's always the groan. The groan and the glory. We know the story well. Lazarus, whom Jesus loved, has died. The word goes to the Lord to come quick. The Lord delays his coming by four days. Lazarus is buried. He's in the tomb. And then the Lord comes. And the crowd say, you're too late. Can I tell you, he's never too late. He's always in time. And so there's a delay. In the delay, there's a vacuum. Remember, Brother Paul preached many years ago, God's delays are not God's denials. And so Jesus comes, and in verse 37, some of them said, some of them said, could not this man which opened the eyes of the blind have caused this man, this man should not have died? So the question was out, could he not have done something about this? Is that not the type of questions you're hearing today? Do you hear those type of things? Could your God not have done this? Could your God, your God healed that man, Stephen Nixon? But could your God not have done something over here? Where was your God when this happened? Anyone hearing stuff like this? Where's your God now? I mean, if he had been here four days ago, it all would have worked out, right? Verse 38 says, Jesus therefore again groaning in himself. Now this is the groan that I'm talking about in the life of the remnant of the church today. There is a groan in the church and thank God the groan's there. It's in every denomination. It's in every type of believer that are spread across this island of Ireland. But there is a groan. And Jesus began to groan in himself when he came to the grave. Are you groaning over circumstances and things that you're believing God for a breakthrough, for life to burst forth? And it's like you're standing at that place of death. It's impossible with man. It was a cave and a stone lay upon it. Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of him that was dead, saith unto him, Lord, by this time there's a stink for he's been dead four years. And Jesus said unto her, Said I not unto thee that, that if thou would believe, thou should see, what would you see? The glory of God. Before there's ever the glory, there's going to be the groan. And could I tell you something, friends? For many years now, I've heard this groan amongst God's people, not just in Balnehinch. I've heard this groan across this island and across the network of believers that we have come into contact across this world, there's something in a spiritual groan that's real. Let me tell you, the groan precedes the glory every time. The Bible says in Romans chapter 8, the Spirit 
likewise also help us our infirmities, for we know, Romans 8, 26, not what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings that can't be uttered. There's some things you can't put in the words. Anyone help me here? Some things you can't express. Some things you can't say. You'd like to be able to express it the way it is, but you just know in your spirit there's something that you're longing for, believing for, crying out for, and it's in the spirit. He that searches the hearts knoweth the mind of the spirit because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love the Lord, to them that are called according to his purpose. The world are saying, could he not have done something? There's a death, there's a stench. And that death and that stench, it troubled the Lord. It troubled him. There was a groan that was in the very heart of God, Jesus Christ. And there's a groan today. We hear it. You hear it. And it's not just about words. Are you understanding what I'm saying? Maybe it doesn't make sense. Let me, let me express and bring a circumstance to you, which we're all familiar with. So the night on which Stephen was going through his operation. Stephen and Tricia weren't here. But who was here? Would you put your hand up if you were here on that Wednesday night? Remember that Wednesday night? See what I heard that night. I can't remember it so much. I know everyone prayed that, that Stephen would be healed. But I heard something more than what words could express. What I heard in that meeting that night was a groan. And before the groan, there's always the glory. And so there was a groan when people began to cry out. It's something called intercession. It's something when the Holy Spirit takes a hold of a prayer meeting. And it's not just words. Or it's not, it's not us just trying to make something happen. And our sincerity and our intention is pure in that. But it's when the Holy Ghost lays a hold of a people and there's a cause and there's something that grieves us. And there's a righteous indignation in our hearts. And it's the Holy Ghost that lays hold of us. And the church united stand up and say, God, we need you. What happens? God removes a tumor from a man supernaturally. There's always the groan before the glory. Now, you can't manufacture it. You can't whip it up. You can't force it to happen. But what you can do is with an honest heart and with a sincerity in your life, come to God before the throne of grace and say, God, God, we, we're grieved in our hearts with what's happening. And would you help us to pray effectively by the Holy Spirit and would you put that groan in our prayers and put that groan in our prayer meetings? Put the groan in our hearts again. Close with this. Jesus said at the tomb, take away the stone. Here's the big problem today. There's a lot of stony hearts. Cold. Cold. You want to talk about the things of God? Not interested. You mean to believe you haven't seen the while you start sharing, hey, we're believing God for a move of the Spirit of God. We want to see our loved ones saved. I mean, it nearly feels as though you're doing something wrong. 
We want to see God move in the church again. We're believing God for our young people, believing God for our land. And they look as though they're from or we're from another planet. Why? Carnality brings a stony heart. A stony heart that the word of God has no effect. Jesus said, get the stony heart, get the stone rolled away. Do you know the stone's been rolled away? He says, I'll give them one heart, I'll put a new spirit in you. I'll take away the stony heart. I'll give you a heart of flesh. Friends, this morning, that's what he wants to give us, his heart. And when he gives us his heart, he gives us his desires. And what he groans over, his body will groan. And when it groans, we'll see his glory. How we need the glory in these days. That when the victories come, if there's a groan, can I encourage you this morning? When there's a groan, when there's a groan, the glory's coming. But see, when it comes, this is important. We want to be like Joab. We want to say, Lord, we want to take the crown in this victory. And we want to put it on your head. And we say this morning, all glory to the Lamb. All glory to the Lamb. Friends, this morning, there's the groan. But praise the Lord, there's the glory. And the glory. This is nothing to be compared to the glory that's going to be revealed. When Christ breaks through those clouds, there's going to be a meeting in the air. I'm going to tell you, friends, what a glory it's going to be. We want to see that glory manifested in loved ones, in families, in this town of Balnehenge, suicide, the immorality, the broken homes, the wayward kids, children in curse. Thank God, you know, when we hear those testimonies of that little lamb being brought into a godly home and enveloped with the love of Jesus Christ, Brothers and sisters, there's an answer to a broken world. It's the love of God. And then we'll take the crown of that victory. And Jeff and Jill, I know they won't mind me saying it, and they'll gladly do it. They'll take the crown of that victory and they'll put it at the feet of Christ and we'll say, we'll crown you with many crowns because you're worthy this morning. May there be many, 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 many more victories in the house of God and testimonies. In Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together this morning.